Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to the State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. Getting ready for preseason game number three, the preseason finale. We are winding it down until Tuesday when the Raiders will have to cut their roster to their initial 53-man roster. And then a day later, they'll get their practice squad going. Um, what are we looking forward to uh, here in this final preseason game? Uh, Vic, you wrote on uh, on Friday here. Kind of about the about nine roster spots that you still see uh, open, which uh, nine feels like a pretty big number for for going into the final preseason game. I think a lot of years we talk and and we we see maybe three to five. So nine uh, nine is probably a, a pretty high number, I think, uh, compared to most years for for going into the the final weekend. It's probably a good sign. It means there's uh, I guess it means there's more talent, maybe more competition. I think they did a good job this year of bringing in some veteran guys and some rookies who um. Have looked good in camp. I think there's pretty you know, hard choices. I'm not sure there's anyone like you really want to see, you know, make the team. I think a lot of guys are not very good. I think there's definitely guys who have certain strengths and certain potentials. So I think it's actually, it might be a positive. Dave Ziegler talked yesterday. That was something that he said. It was, it's been harder for them this year to, obviously they haven't made cuts yet, but you know, the process of leading up to that has, has been more difficult in terms of making their decisions. And so, you know, that can go both ways. I guess you could say they don't have, guys clearly performing above the rest of these positions and that makes it more difficult but i do think they have some some nice depth at certain positions like receiver defensive line you know they have a few guys at cornerback that are interesting and so you know i think this third preseason game as you said jimmy i think it probably has a little bit more intrigue through that lens than than maybe in years past you know it's always interesting to see who's out there you know like it's typically (laughs) you know the guys that are like a lock for the 53 are not going anywhere near that field in the third preseason game especially with them playing the starters last week they already kind of got their trial running so you're not going to see any any of them out there for that reason and so if you're out there in that third game you're probably fighting for a roster spot or at least in contention for it and so you know that'll that'll be interesting to see just just sort of who suits up i mean with the right tackle position with Mumford and uh, Illuminor, do you guys think that we'll see those two play in in this last preseason game? I mean, you know, they are pretty important part of the teams. I I don't, you know, it it seems like Illuminor is the the guy right now, but I mean, there is competition at that spot, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Illuminor is like clearly the guy or anything. Like, I think that's been pretty pretty back and forth between the two of them. Um, Like last last game, Illuminor started on the left side, um, which was an adjustment from the first game, but. 
they're pretty close. Like they rotate, they're still rotating in practice with the first team and right tackle. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them out there um, just since that. I don't think they've made a, a clear cut decision there. Um, you know, whether Illuminar plays left tackle again or not, we'll see. But I think that's something that even Vic and I, like we aren't 100%, you know, thinking who's going to be a starter between the two of them. And so I think that's going to be an ongoing competition. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I don't, I don't think they're going to be doing the rotating offensive line thing quite to the degree that they were doing at the start of last year. But I wouldn't be surprised if that competition sort of carryovers into the, the first couple of weeks of the season. And also you can say that Mumford probably needs reps. He's still a young player, so why don't you get him out there either way? But I agree that that job is still kind of open, I think, and like, you might see both guys. Um, whereas I think the right guard spot, my gut feeling is that Greg Von Rotten's already won that job, so I'm not sure he'll play this weekend. But I do think right tackle is still wide open. Yeah, I wonder, do you, do you see Illuminor play on the left side as, as almost a sign that he's more likely, that it's more likely to be Mumford? Because if Illuminor is not the starting right tackle, you need him probably, he's probably going to be your swing tackle. So getting him those starts on the left-hand side, um, you know, to get him experience on both sides could be a sign that it, it is leaning toward Mumford and you're, you want to make sure that he's getting a little bit more comfortable on the left-hand side in case he needs to, to go there in place of Colton Miller. Yeah, it's hard to call it. I mean, Mumford did play some left tackle in college. Um, I think he actually played more left tackle than right tackle. And so he has experience there, too. So there's not really any reason why they, they couldn't have put him over there on that side instead of Illuminor. But maybe, you know, obviously, obviously we don't know for sure. But since Mumford has less experience at right tackle, maybe they think it's more valuable for him to get some some reps there in the preseason. But I think maybe Jimmy Garoppolo being out there on the first series probably Factored into that a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, I think Illuminor is probably better at left tackle than, than Mumford is. And so you don't want to maybe throw a second-year, seventh-round pick out there at left tackle and then Jimmy G gets blindsided or something. So I think that might have factored into it, too. All right. Now, Vic, one of the positions you wrote about was backup quarterback. And uh, I think us on this podcast have been very supportive of Aiden O'Connell should be that guy. But, I mean, you have to acknowledge there's a reason that Josh McDaniels brought in Brian Hoyer, and uh, you know, he's a guy that he is very comfortable with. And part of him talking about why, you know, why getting him out there in the preseason is just to make sure, you know, he gets a few reps and and that he's ready to go. My opinion is that it would lean toward they probably would would keep all three of them. Just you know, you've got the third quarterback rule available now, so you can dress all three on game day, even though t- only two would be active. And I think, I mean, McDaniel's had a quote the other day. Kind of talking about the difference between if you need a guy to to step in for a week versus if you need a guy to step in long term. And I think that kind of fits really with how we felt about the situation that Brian Hoyer is your guy if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in a game and you need to try to go win that game. If Jimmy Garoppolo goes down for the season, Aiden O'Connell probably is your guy. Yeah, I think also Hoyer's probably like a de facto quarterback coach. I think when he came in, you know, he was almost retired and he decided not to retire. I'm sure he talked about having him as a role of grooming a young quarterback. I'm sure he's been, like Aiden's mentioned, he's been a big help to him. So I think the key three quarterbacks, because you have, like you said, the emergency rule, the veteran guy, the young guy, I think that all works out pretty well. So that's my, that's my guess what happens there. Are we sure Brian Hoyer is that short-term guy too? I mean, he... He has not looked good. I mean, should he be? <laughs> we, 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 could, we could discuss if he should be or not, but you have to consider the Josh McDaniels factor. Obviously, O'Connell's looked good, and he's you know he's been accurate, showed poise, but I think we had a list, and I think in the story today, where if you look at the guys who led the league in preseason pass rating in the last 10 years, it's not a good list. I mean, I don't know if this really means a whole lot that 
oh, he was great against you know these these scrubs. And I, and I'm, I mean, they're don't, all, don't I'm, sleep on Scott Tolzien. Yeah, and Brett I mean, they're Hundley not all. Yeah, Stephen Morris and yeah, I didn't know who Stephen Boyle. I didn't know who Stephen Morris Reeves was. Connect. There were names in that list I didn't know who they were. I like Skyler Thompson. I know Skyler Thompson, but Stephen Morris is a guy I really. Jacoby Brissett is the best name on that list by far. But there's some names in there. And again, O'Connell's a young guy. He's got a huge you know, learning curve. I'm sure he's got a lot of promise, and he'll get better. So I'm not sure if you're Josh McDaniels, say week two, and you need a guy to come in, you probably go with the experienced guy. I would think at this point, but you never know. You know, we also have to with O'Connell. Like he has been going against like second, third, fourth string players most of these snaps. You know what I mean? Like it's preseason for one, but also like he's he's out there with. With, with, with the backups. It's not like he's going against first-team defenses or anything like that. It doesn't negate, you know, that the fact that he's looked good. But and some of it, I'm sure, is just Twitter jokes. But people, I think, are getting a little bit too far ahead of themselves with the, the O'Connell hype train right now. I will say Aiden O'Connell's shown a lot of translatable traits. You know, he's not, like, out there trying to, like, run around and break outside the pocket and make these, like, ridiculous you know, crazy throws into triple coverage he, he's running the offense the way it's supposed to run he's throwing on rhythm and he's he's throwing accurate passes on rhythm so i think those are translatable traits so i think he passes a a, a bar in my mind that you know I, I think he can play with the number twos i i, I want to see him play against tougher competition obviously that's the next bar he has to pass but i mean if you look around the league there's a lot of contending teams that have given the the backup job to um, to rookie quarterbacks that that have done well this preseason. The um, the Packers gave Sean Clifford the uh, the backup job in Green Bay, and obviously they're going to be a contending team. Are they Packers? I, I think they will be. I think they will be. <laughs> Are they contending for like what their division or? I mean, like a, <laughs> potentially a playoff team. It's a talented roster. I mean, they're 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 not like a yeah. I mean, they're 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 battling the Lions for the for the NFC North. I mean, if the Raiders were contending there, they'd be pretty happy this season, you know. But I'm just saying, they, you know, they they're they're a team that uh that are vying for the playoffs, a talented roster with some you know good veterans on the team, and and their the backup quarterback Sean Clifford. The Browns gave their their backup job to Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson, uh, rookie from UCLA. There's another team that did it too. Around the league, there's you know some some rookies that impressed that have have won the backup job. So, you know, I'm just saying that um, Aiden O'Connell might be the most impressive all, out of all of them. So basically, to the, the start of your point about the translatable skills, he's not Jarrett Stidham going out there against the Niners where uh, it, it, it looked good, but uh, but there were signs uh, to be he's worried. He's not about. like tossing it up, you know, into triple coverage into to a receiver and getting you know rewarded for that. He, he's he's going through the process and running the system and making accurate throws. Our one other position worth talking about is running back. And we know there's there's nothing new on Josh Jacobs. They still hope and expect that he will be back before week one. I guess the Jacobs situation in a way gives them a little bit of a luxury. He is not on the roster right now. When they set that roster on Tuesday, they don't have to worry about his roster spot. So that gives them the ability to carry an extra guy that once Jacobs eventually shows up, then they can put through waivers and, and might have a better chance of, you know, getting onto the practice squad. So uh, there, there is some luxury there. But, um, you know, as it stands without Jacobs, uh, you know, Zamir White will be the top guy. And Vic, what do you think it comes down to? Do you think they keep four initially because Jacobs uh, doesn't count? Or, or do you see them keeping three? I, I mean, I know we know Amir Abdullah is going to be there to catch those third and 20 passes and, and, and pick up. 13 yards or whatnot, but um, you know, between Britton Brown and, uh, and Brandon Bolden, what do you see there? 
Yeah, they like Britton Brown, but he was on the roster last year, young guy. But he's been a little banged up this this camp. So I, I can definitely see them keeping him for the 53-man roster and making him the guy to go to practice squad once Josh is back. So I do think um, Bolden, obviously a Patriots guy, he's a lot of, you know, special teams guy, and he, he has a kind of a leadership role in the locker room. So I think he's kind of a key key cog in what McDaniel's trying to do as far as to get the culture implemented. So I think he's I think he's pretty safe. I'm not sure if... With Britton Brown, like he uh, he's missed most of training camp um, with an undisclosed injury. Because last year they kept five running backs. Um, I don't I don't see that happening again. I think it'll be ultimately once they get to week one. I think it'll be four guys on the roster. As as of right now, I mean Abdullah, you know, in his third down role, and then they obviously like what Bolden brings on special teams. Um, it's kind of kind of hard to justify a spot, especially when with some of the uh, the deeper position groups on the roster um, where they have to make some tough decisions, like defensive line, for example. I think it just it just makes more sense to keep an extra one of those guys, like maybe a, a Nesta Jade or somebody like that over a, a fifth running back who's probably going to just be in an inactive every week. And then receiver. You kind of know the, the names at the top of the list. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, you know, Trey Tucker obviously being a third round pick. DeAndre Carter is going to be their return guy. And then, you know, Philip Dorsett probably, or but but Christian Wilkerson. Is there a competition, do you think, going into this this game? Could, could Saturday decide which of those guys is a sixth receiver? Yeah, I think we kind of disagree on this one. I, I think it's a lock. I think it's Dorsett's job, but I think Deshaun thinks that Wilkerson's got a shot to kind of impress them this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think Dorsett definitely has, you know, the leg up on him. But Wilkerson, I think he's impressed them with um, his performance both in games and in training camp. They also like his ability to, to block, um, which I know we don't think about with receivers, but does matter. And then, you know, I, I think another thing that, We've talked about it is they have a pretty little receiver room. Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams are the only guys over six foot. And like the rest of the guys are, aren't aren't just like not six foot, but they're like five, ten and shorter. And then Wilkerson is, is six one, a legit six one, and gives them a little bit more size. And so that's something that, you know, I think they would like to keep him in the building. Ultimately, he's probably more of a practice squad guy. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if both Dorsett and, and Wilkerson are, are out there against the Cowboys this week. It seems like Dorsett would have a leg up and a job, but Wilkerson does uh, provide something that the Raiders don't have on, on the with most of the team. They don't have, I mean, you know, Mac Hollins was so valuable because he's, he was such a good run blocker and outside. And I don't know if um, there there are a lot of good run blocking receivers on this team. Wilkerson can help provide that. I mean, he's not quite as big as, as Mac Hollins, but. Really, none, 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 I don't think any of the, the Raiders receivers are, are good blockers. I mean, Jacoby Myers tries, but sometimes he just gets like he gets blasted. Sometimes there would be usage for Wilkerson if he's on this team. Yeah, I mean, I guess the tricky part is you know Wilkerson is a guy who would be subject to waivers. Yeah, you know, we always talk. I think at this time of the year, like, oh, is this guy going to be able to clear waivers? So many receivers tend to impress during training camp that get cut. That like, there's just not enough spots. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of times that we. We've thought, oh, there's no way this guy's going to get through waivers, and he clears easily. With Dorsett, he, you know, he's a vested veteran, doesn't have to go through waivers, so you do have that consideration where you can tell him, all right, we are going to cut you, we're going to immediately sign you back to the practice squad, we're going to pay you this much, that, you know. So there are some of those considerations, but um, you know, we'll see what happens there. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk a little bit about tight end. And uh, Ted, how's the uh, Cole Fotheringham stock looking for you? It's down, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but we, 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 have another, we have another week. We have another week. I watched a lot of last game. I focused on uh, Michael Mayer, and um, man, he's, he's struggling blocking. It's going to be a learning curve. But he did get open a couple times where he should have gotten the ball. Brian Hoyer, there was one where he got open in, in the middle of the field uh, on a play-action play. He adjusted his route, and he went a little bit more vertical than he, sh- he should have on a, a crosser, but he got into open space. And a Hoyer threw it like really flat, and then it ended up being an interception. And there's another play where he actually got on top of a corner and uh, got open on a fade route. So there, there was two opportunities he, cut, he cut, couldn't got the ball. But I think as far as blocking, it, it's going to be a learning curve for Mayer. So I think because of that, he'll probably be the, the Raiders' second tight end and, and get in in two tight end sets. Um, but it, it's going to be an adjustment for him. It's not going to be just give him a starting spot and go. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, Austin Hooper at this point in his career also isn't really known for his blocking chops. Like, he earlier in his career, it's kind of weird because earlier in his career, was, that was kind of what he was known for. And I don't know, the last three or four years, he's really kind of fallen off a cliff in that, in that aspect. And so, you know, even if Mayer starts games, I think they'll be kind of splitting time at, at starting tight end, at least early in the season, while Mayer still continues to figure that out. I mean, he talked to us for the first time earlier this week and he's been pretty transparent like that you know blocking was the the toughest thing for him to figure out but with them having two guys that are kind of like you know so so at best at blocking I think with that third tight end spot you want to keep a guy um, that's a little bit further ahead and I think among the options Jesper Horstead is is probably that guy you know he's he's more experienced he's been in the system he's a solid blocker not he's not like you know great or anything but you know fathering him at this point in his career I, I think he's he's ahead of him and so those looks like the, the three tight ends pretty securely at this point. I agree. I think Horsehead's the guy. I also think uh, yesterday Zoomer mentioned, and you know, 
at this time of year, these GMs are looking at other teams' rosters, who's going to get cut, who's going to might be available in trade. So there might be some you know blocking tight ends who are available on Tuesday. A guy you can bring in who that's clearly his role. I think the other guy that's worth mentioning is uh, I always forget his first two names. He has three names. The last name is Schenker. John Samuel Schenker. Yeah, my guy John Samuel Schenker. He's uh, got some fullback tendencies as a tight end. I think he definitely is in the mix. Not probably for the 53-man roster, but probably for the practice squad. So I think he's a guy who has those blocking things they want to implement. So he's a guy also to keep an, eye, keep an eye on this weekend. And when they really need a block, we're going to see the jumbo package. I mean, we saw it a lot last year with, you know, with bringing in Mumford, whoever is not the starting right tackle between Mumford and Illuminor. We're going to see the jumbo package when they really need to uh, to get the blocking uh, out, out of that tight end spot. Um, obviously, it's not ideal because you're not really having the threat of a pass. But, um, you know, we, we saw it a lot last year, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that again. All right. A couple other positions to look at on the defensive side, backup defensive tackle. Um, we've talked about it that, you know, this defensive tackle, this defensive line group looks a lot you know, deeper and more versatile than years before. Um, you know, Vic, you did a nice job of kind of detailing what a practice looks like for that defensive line. What are things looking like for the young guys? You know, the, those two draft picks from last year, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. Yeah, when Deshaun and I were trying to figure out those roster projections for Tuesday, I think that was one of our toughest spots. I think those two guys, I think Butler is ahead of Farrell, so I think he's going to make it. I wasn't sure about Farrell, but uh, Deshaun thinks they both make it, I think, so. Uh, you also got the veteran guy, John Jenkins, is a big dude, 330, 340. Uh, he's got some ties with the new D-line coach, so I think he's going to make it. So definitely it's a good, another another good problem to have. you got a lot of guys with some with some potential and some beef in the middle there to kind of uh, help you push the pocket. Yeah, it's been kind of a weird offseason for like the young defensive tackles. Like Byron Young's missed a good amount of time due to injury. Neil Farrell missed a good amount of time due to injury. We assume, they, I mean, they, obviously they won't tell us anything. But um, so we haven't like gotten to see a whole lot of those guys. But just given their draft pedigree, I mean, it's not like they were first round picks. But I mean, they took Matthew Butler and, and Neil Farrell like mid mid draft last year. It's weird because last year, because they didn't have those first and second round picks, all those guys like seem like higher picks than normal you know dylan parham was their top pick even though he's a third rounder so you, you kind of hype him up more than than you would normally obviously those are their guys it wasn't like they were inherited guys you know that, that they had to hold on to from the previous regime and so i think they want to give them some more time to develop obviously the rookies um, like byron young and even nesta jade silvera who's impressed us a lot in training camp i, I don't think we've seen that like translate to preseason games as much He's probably more of a practice squad guy, I would say. But, you know, of the positions on the roster, I think defensive line is probably going to end up being the deepest in terms of just the the amount, the, the sheer number of players that they keep on the 53-man roster. You know, and I think that obviously they would rather have the Josh Jacobs situation resolved. But like having that extra roster spot, I think that may be a spot where it helps them out. Maybe they're able to keep 10 instead of 9 or 9 instead of 8 or whatever they had in mind um, at that position. I think a good example of that is that when they signed Jordan Willis for the Niners, I thought that was a good signing. He's a guy who can play both outside, inside, veteran guy. He was a good role player, I think, for the Niners. I thought when he came in, he'd have a role, but now I don't see him making the roster. I think um, he's a guy I can see going back to the Niners. They have some injury issues up front. So that's, a good, I think, the best example of how this depth has really kind of materialized uh, this training camp. All right, let's head to the secondary. Cornerback is a spot where – 
you know, until they signed Marcus Peters, kind of the approach was like, let's just throw a bunch of dudes into the blender and, and kind of see who comes out on top. How are we feeling about this group right now? I mean, we've got Peters, we've got Nate Hobbs playing in the slot, you know, David Long Jr., Brandon Faison, Jacorian Bennett. Is that our five? And, and guys like Amik Robertson is, is probably out of here. And, you know, some of those other guys that we saw a little bit of last year, Tyler Hall, Sam Webb, and, and a guy like Duke Shelley, are, are those guys on the outside looking in? I think they end up keeping six. I guess my, my gut feel. Like I, I think obviously Marcus Peters is is, you know, sharpied in as a starter. And I think Nate Hobbs is at nickel as well. But I think the rest of that is kinda jumbled right now. Um I think they're still figuring it out. And, you know, I, I think keep another obviously you keep another outside starter, but I th- I think three backups um would be helpful for them because, you know, Tyler Hall, I, I think he's probably top backup at nickel behind Nate Hobbs. Um, and then on the outside, I think David Long and Duke Shelley have shown enough to get roster spots, even if they don't start over Jacorian Bennett. So that feels like a solid six to me. Like maybe they only keep five, um, but that seems like a little a little bit of a thin cornerback room, especially amongst a group where, you know, they, they probably don't have all their answers yet in terms of how the rotation is going to work out. So you got face on as, as part of that six? No, I don't. Yeah, I think he's on the outside right now. I mean, he, he you know, unfortunately for him, like he suffered a undisclosed leg injury on the first day of padded padded practices. Um, he came back earlier this week in a, in a red jersey, but then didn't practice the next two practices after that. And so I just don't know how healthy he is right now. Like, obviously, I don't think it's a season ender. Otherwise, they would have put him on, on injured reserve. But especially if he's not in a position to be ready to go for, for week one, I, I think, you know, maybe they try to keep him around on the practice squad or something like that. Yeah, it's a tough one to figure out. I think, again, he's a guy that sure had um, written down as making the roster at the start of camp, but now I think you're right. I think he's kind of in that bubble. I think um, Amik Robertson's the guy I, I keep erasing and I keep writing back in. I just think he, um, he you know, he has his struggles. He has limitations. He's, he's only 5'9", if, if he is 5'9". Oh, he's going to make the roster now because you just told him he's too short. That's what they, they just got to do. Every, every play, just tell him he's too short. I haven't making it. I'm saying I, I put him back in. I just think he does enough things on teams – they like him. I think of all the guys the new regime inherited, I think he kind of has that, uh, that grit they like. I think um, they want to try to find a way to get him on the roster. So I think despite some struggles this preseason, I do think Amik, uh, Amik survives. Whose spot does he take on the in the corner list then? That's a great question. I think Tyler Hall is probably the most most vulnerable there. Like I think they like him. Like he's, you know, he kind of, due to injury last year, he started a couple games at nickel for them, and I thought he was pretty solid. But I think Amik has a little bit more versatility in terms of being able to play inside and outside and then what he brings on special teams, whereas Tyler Hall is pretty much a nickel-only guy. And so I think if he's going to get a spot, it, it probably would have to be his spot. Yeah, I would say that Hall or a face-on would be guys. I would think that he would take their spot. But uh, it's tough because Duke Shelley's a guy who uh, I've seen a lot of in camp or, or in, uh, in the games. I think he's a, you know, I think he's got a spot, but I'm not. I'm not positive. But um, the other day, he appreciated that I was in the shade during uh, during practice. He said that I was smart, and I appreciate his uh, recognizing my ability to find the shade. So <laughs> is, that, is that getting him a roster spot? <laughs> I think it does. I'm on, he's on the bubble. Does that mean Jakob Johnson gets cut because he was giving you guys shit? Ah, uh, Jakob didn't like our. You could get your guy John Samuel Shanker in there as a starting fullback. Here's the problem. Jakob questioned our, our body language. Here's the thing that he's not realizing. So we were in the shade in front of the ice box. Then when they come over to use the ice box, we have to move. So we're moving from the shade to the heat. So obviously my body language ain't going to be great. I'm losing my spot in the shade. All these guys are enjoying <laughs> As they're about to go into 17-degree ice Exactly. Box. So my body, I mean, I'm not sure he realizes how that whole thing broke down. So if I talk to him, I'll explain why my 
body language wasn't wasn't the best at, at that moment. One thing about Amik is, I mean, if they do cut him, he's a guy that probably can stick. He can stick around the building That's in the a practice good point. squad that is because a good point. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see another team grabbing him. And so he's a guy that we focus so much on that fifty-three. But obviously, when you're the Raiders and you're building this roster, you're thinking about who are the guys that we're going to also keep on this practice squad because I mean, so many injuries happen, so many guys fluctuate. There's guys that we don't even think about, don't even remember from training camp that by midway in the season are starting all these games, and we're like, man, we didn't even talk about you at all. So I, I think he's a guy that if they cut him. I think they can cut him with with an idea of they can bring him back in the building. All right, final spot that Vic wrote about. We'll talk uh, backup safety. Um, Roderick Teamer is is his time finally winding down. Vic, uh, you know he's a guy that has been around and, and stuck around. But I mean, if 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 Marcus Epps, Trayvon Merrig, and, and Isaiah Palomao are are around, and um, Chris Smith, uh, the, the the rookie, who you know I think we kind of had some some expectations for. Um, what, what do you see happening at that fourth safety spot? Another tough call for me, I think, and, and Deshaun and I talk about this. Part of the problem is, you know, where we sit, where we stand, and watching practice, and there are three fields away. Even, even with binocs, it's hard to really see what the hell's going on. A lot. But over the, the camp and practices, and even the games, I haven't seen Chris Smith. I mean, I know he's out there, but I don't. I don't he never has it really stood out to me in making plays. Or I'm, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying that I haven't noticed him. Whereas Timmer's a guy who has a role. He can. He's a teams guy. Plays in special teams, and he can play both safety spots. He also can play, I think, nickel linebacker. So I think he's a guy that does enough for me, where I have him on the on, on the fifty-three man roster. Which once we get through all these spots, you want to continue looking for four or five guys. And I wonder about Chris Smith. And again, as he's a draft pick, you would think he's a, a lock to make it. But just my observations, I have not really seen him do much this camp. So I don't know. I, I have Teamer making it, and I have Smith kind of on on the bubble. This could be another situation where, okay, Chris Smith as a fifth-round pick, you know, teams are fresh off the evaluation. You cut him, you go through waivers, and maybe somebody who liked him in the draft process claims him, whereas Teamer, the veteran who's been around, you can cut him and bring him back into the building on the practice squad and kind of have the idea that, um, you know, you, you can you can bring him back up whenever you need him so that, that it could be another one of those considerations where this is the guy that you know you can just bring back into the building and, and that way you're able to keep both of them around and, uh, and feel like you can feel good about your depth there. All right. What else are we looking forward to in this preseason finale? I think we've uh, we've hit all the uh, the major ones. Uh, is this is this going to be just an Aiden O'Connell special to give him basically the whole game to to let him see what he can do? Maybe maybe a little Chase Garbers in the fourth quarter for uh, just just to make Vic happy. I think you'll see Chase. I mean, I'm not sure why that makes me happy, but I think Chase will play a little bit. I mean, might as well. I mean, you don't want to risk an injury to, to, to guys. I think they, they kind of at this point they they know what O'Connell can do. I mean, he'll get some more reps, but. I'm not sure there's a need to have him play the whole game against a bunch of guys who aren't going to be in the league in, in, a, in a week. So, um, but I guess the big question is that can they can they win again? Can they keep up this perfect record? Can Josh McDaniels become like you know like the rival Harbaugh is the best preseason coach of all? I mean, Har- Harbaugh's streak is done. So, so yeah, are exactly. they the so, is, is that is he the longest streak now? I'm sure it, ha- it has to be right. So I mean, uh, it's a big feather in his cap. All right, guys. Well, we will see what happens on Saturday night. And then uh, come next week, uh, by the time we talk to you guys again, obviously rosters will be set. The initial 53-man roster. We'll see if we have any update on Josh Jacobs. Probably not. Uh, probably won't happen until uh, you know that week of week one, you, you would think. But um, we will come back next week. We will have our season predictions. We'll give you our predicted win totals. We will uh, run through some over-unders. Uh, we always love to do that before the start of the season. Give you some uh, some stat lines. Uh We'll have to figure out what how how many games do we think Jimmy Garoppolo will start? Um, 
That's a negative question. Why not? Why is thir- this? Let's just hope for the best and assume he plays all we well, I'm, I think I think we'll set it at thirteen. I'll have to, I'll figure out what his average is. I'll, I'll average out what his average is over the last five years and uh, four years or whatever, something like that, and we'll uh, we'll set a line there. Last year we did who will gain more yards, Josh Jacobs or Zamir White? Oh <laughs> man, I was so like I was Vic, so close, so close. Vic, I was. Vic, Vic was hyping up the Zamir White trade. He thought he was going to be this the 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 bulk carry guy. Yep. Uh, we thought it was going to be at least split carries. I mean, good lord, that that could not have been uh, a stupider question to even ask. I mean, it was it was not even close. It was pretty bad. All right, guys. Well, we will be back next week uh, after we have roster set and getting you ready. That'll be our official season preview episode, so it should be fun. All right, guys. Later. Adios. If you got the money, honey, we got your disease in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.